And now I have one of my favorite repeat guests on Miami Miked Up, always willing to join me anytime, any place, despite Wi-Fi issues throughout the day, all sorts of conflicts with getting to every sporting event you can possibly get to. The wonderful Jessica Blaylock joins me today on Miami Miked Up. Jessica, thank you for taking some time uh, on this very busy Florida Panthers home game weekend uh, to take some time to chat. Yeah, the best part about the uh, Wi-Fi and technical issues is normally they're my fault, user error. I don't have a great relationship with technology whatsoever. But today they were actually not my fault, which is <laughs> super exciting to report. It was not Blaylock's fault that the technology was not working. So we are making progress. I worry that no matter what you say, some of the folks who might be listening to this are going to blame you regardless. But oh, nonetheless, I have no doubt. And <laughs> it's, it's justified based on the track record. But I yes. promise it's not my fault today. Xfinity, <laughs> Xfinity Wi-Fi taking us down. Uh, all right, Jess. Well, let, let's start in the place we always start. Um, before we get into hockey and even maybe a little bit of baseball today, um, I want to ask you, what's something... You've had a couple of weeks here in between seasons. What's something outside of work that's brought you some joy? Yeah, I'll go back maybe even a little bit further than the last couple of weeks. And he's going to be so mad that I'm disrupting his nap time. But um, getting to rescue another fur baby. Oh, Mario. You can tell he's a he's a, he's a little bit on the older side. Aww. His little tongue. Hangs out constantly yeah, out to the left. Uh, oh this little goodness. guy was found wandering the streets of Miami, uh, sunburnt, emaciated, too weak to stand. And luckily a good Samaritan picked him up. I saw him on a rescue website and I was like, oh my gosh, done. He's mine. Like done. And I had just lost Chester, uh, one of my other dogs to cancer. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it happened really quickly. It was very unexpected and it was terrible. But I just remember thinking, um, I don't want to dwell on being sad. I want to, I want to focus on being able to provide love. And so I've, I've had this little guy since uh, a couple of weeks before the all-star break and he is thriving. Um, and so, yeah, it has brought me joy mm -hmm. to continue to rescue and spread love. You are a wonderful person. I am literally like, as you can probably see, and the listening audience can't, uh, kind of welling up a little bit as you tell this story. That's so beautiful. And I'm so glad you did that. And Mar all I want to do is hit the lottery so I can literally just, <laughs> just adopt dogs forever. All of the animals. That for is real. my dream. Our our cat is is a rescue, and he is such a wonderful little boy, and we love him so much. His name the is best. Rose, they they and... totally know. They yep. totally know. So absolutely, okay. I'm gonna let you go back to doing what you do best, which is Havoc. sleeping. And I am I'm so sorry for disrupting your afternoon nap, but I love you. Oh my goodness! If you guys could see the eye contact being made between <laughs> Jessica and Mario right now, that's pure love and so wonderful, and probably my favorite answer I've gotten to that question in, in quite a while. So thank oh, you for yay. starting this in such a love wonderful that. place. Um, speaking of joy, how about last night for the Florida Panthers? Uh, oh, the transition. Um, what an unreal energy at Amaranth Bank Arena last night for the first home game of the season for the reigning Eastern Conference champions. Yeah. We saw the banner go up. Um, I had a lot of fun interacting with some fans pregame because the energy kind of felt like a playoff game. Jessica, take me through not only, you know, the emotions that, that you saw last night for this first home game, but why, you know, it was such a solid 3-1 victory for the Panthers. 
Well, I think there's a couple of different things. Number one, everybody knows that this team is having to battle through some very serious injuries right now. And, uh, you know, they're going to get Sam Bennett back, hopefully maybe even on this homestand, which would be amazing. But to lose Aaron Ekblad, to lose Brandon Montour, who are two of, you know, your top tier defensemen, the number of minutes that they spend out on the ice, the fact that they play at even strength, they are on the penalty kill. They are an important part of the power play. To lose two pieces like that, uh, to not have them to start the season, is is a huge blow. And um, a factor in also mixing in so many new skaters, you know, nine total new skaters, right. eight of which were in uh, the opening night lineup. So many of them are blue liners. To, to kind of take on everything that they're taking on and then to play – uh, what I think is a very elite opponent in the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. especially look at some of the offensive weapons that they have in, you know, an Austin Matthews who already has two hat tricks on the season, which is ridiculous Crazy. because we're only four games in uh, William Nylander, you know, Mitch Marner, John Tavares. I mean, you just go up and down the list and um, for it to have such a, a playoff feel this early in the season and for the Panthers who have just really played Overall, such a solid game to get depth scoring. Uh, you know, Kevin Stemlin scoring his first goal as a Florida Panther. Oliver Ekman Larson, who I think has looked like he fits right in. Uh, for Bobrovsky to have such a great performance. Um, the the sacrifice that was made, especially in the final minute of the game. Gustav Forsling blocking a shot. I mean, you got guys left and right just sacrificing the body to, to kill off the six on four. I mean, there were just so many positives from that game last night, but I think one of the biggest things is just, just that you're seeing so much chemistry between yep. the players that have been here and the new player, like Evan Rodriguez looks like he's been skating with Barkov and Reinhardt for years. Crazy. I, I mean, he, he looks like a complete fit on that line. Um, and so I think there were so many positives and, you know, to have Brandon Montour and Ekblad and Bennett bang in the drum to get the crowd going, to look out in the crowd and see that it was just overflowing with red and with Panther jerseys, especially playing a team like Toronto. There were just so many cool aspects to the home opener and, and yep. just to see the excitement surrounding the team, uh, the goodwill that the team has built with the fan base having gone to the playoffs, you know, multiple years in a row now um, to see the goodwill that, you know, what Bill Zito is, has built with the team. Matt Caldwell came on the broadcast and talked about all the sponsorships and, and companies that want to get involved. Uh, the way that the Violas have committed themselves, not to just building this team and giving Bill Zito the funds and the, the freedom to do what he needs to do, but also the way they've invested in the community. There's just, it was just one of those nights where everything that's kind of taken place over the past several years kind of comes full circle. And, and it, it, it was just awesome. It was so <laughs> awesome. It was such a great win. It was so much fun to be a part of. It really was awesome. And that was the word so many Panthers fans were using to describe this team and this fan yeah. base. And, you know, it, 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 the way that you're talking about it, it sort of reminds me of the early days as, 
rival of the team, but fellow Bally Sports partner, the Tampa Bay Lightning started to build their fan base. Not necessarily their team, but the fan base that started to swell and saw with success year after year, we could be one of the very best and most passionate fan bases in the league. And as someone who grew up 10 minutes from that arena, who attended plenty of Panther games through middle school right. and high school, this feels like watching almost a different franchise from from where we were to where we stand now. And it's such a it really is. It can make you emotional. Um, so it, that's two wins in a row for the Panthers after starting 0-2. Um, the interesting part, and you brought up, I think, some of the reasoning why, but some of the national pundits really strangely, despite the Panthers winning the Eastern Conference last year, um, I think are looking at last regular season, first season under Coach Paul Maurice, and calling it a bit of a fluke, sort of um, projecting onto the Panthers that not only will they potentially be a low seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but potentially not make it whatsoever, citing the division getting better, but particularly also citing these injuries that you mentioned um, yeah. to start the season and an expectation that maybe the Panthers would struggle out of the gate. Um, I think that these pundits are insane. Um, and Jessica, I've brought you here <laughs> to basically explain to me why they are and why you believe that this can and will be a postseason team this season. But I mean, doesn't it always seem like that's the case, Jeremy? It's always like South Florida, man. Florida Panthers versus the world, Marlins mm -hmm. versus the world. Like the Panthers could have won the Stanley Cup last season. And somebody would have been like, oh, well, they're not the best Stanley Cup right. team we've ever seen. Like somebody You're would so find right. something to say to, to, you know, take away from what they accomplished. And they beat Boston and nobody mm -hmm. gives them a chance against Toronto. They beat Toronto and nobody gives them a chance against the Carolina Hurricanes. They sweep the Canes right. and, you know, everybody's picking Vegas. And obviously Vegas won the Cup, um, but... It, <laughs> It's just like, what does this team have to do to right. to prove to people that they deserve respect? And, you know, I think from a player's perspective, they don't care. They don't mind. They don't mind being the underdog. They don't mind being the team that people kind of underestimate because, you know what? All they're focused on is going out there, playing hard, having fun, playing for each other, which is, I think, one thing that really defines this team. Um and so, you know, they're just going to go out there and do what they need to do. I don't think Paul Maurice cares what anybody else thinks either. Certainly and not. the reason that I love Paul Maurice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think it's crazy if mm -hmm. people aren't giving this Panthers team the, the respect that is due. And without a doubt, like I, I mentioned earlier, and you brought it up again, you know, some really tough injuries to start the season. Um, but you've still got, Alexander Barkov out on the ice and you still got Matthew Kachuk right. out on the ice and Carter Verhage, who, Oh, by the way, scored 42 goals in the regular season last year. And Gustav Forsling, who I mm. think is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. And you brought in an Oliver Ekman Larson, who looks mm. like he could potentially revitalize his career. And you brought in Evan Rodriguez, who's a great two way forward, who to me just seems like he would be a, a perfect complement to the way Barkov loves to play because Barkov focuses so much on a strong offensive game, but a strong defensive game as well. Mm. You've got Bobrovsky who played out of his mind <laughs> in the playoffs and is going to get the lion's share of the starts to start the season. And I think consistency is when he is at his best, when he is constantly, constantly playing constantly in the net. 
I mean, the list goes on and on of why, like, I could keep going. The list goes on and on of why this team can not only tread water until Mm. they get Monty and Eck and Bennett back, but why they can compete and play Mm. well until they get those guys back. And then those returns are only going to make them that much stronger uh, when those guys inevitably do come back. So, sure. (laughs) Hate on the cats. Yeah. We're used to it by now. Uh, They're just going to keep going out there and doing their thing. I love that. And I do think that something you mentioned in in the first answer as well has something to do with this, which is year two under Coach Paul Maurice and this team playing the, the guys who have returned with such a tremendous amount of chemistry. And then those new additions already sort of look like they're fitting like a glove. You brought up a couple of them. Um, if those are the two players you'd like to highlight, we can. But as you mentioned before, nine additions to this team um, in an offseason where you're trying to solidify and get back to the Stanley Cup final. You know, for those who who haven't maybe watched the first few games, are planning to watch their first game tonight on Bally Sports, who do you anticipate maybe being a couple of guys who will have the biggest impact on this roster who are new faces? Yeah, well, definitely Oliver ekman Larson. you know, like we talked about, because he's kind of the guy that's stepping in and quarterbacking that top unit power play, obviously uh, a significant addition when it comes to the blue liners. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, he feels healthy and feels like he can kind of, you know, get back to where he was before dealing with uh, the lower body injuries and, and, you know, kind of stepping in seamlessly alongside Gustav Forsling and I, I talked to Forsling today and and asked him about that connection with OEL and they're both Swedish, which is great. <laughs> so they already can kind of bond on that. But he just talked about the importance of communication and and how good that's been, and especially out on the ice. And um, so I think there's there's kind of this great combination of players who are in the second year of Paul Maurice's system and who were with the team last year and who learned so many valuable lessons about what it takes to win and what it takes to compete in the playoffs and make a deep run. And then um, give credit to Bill Zito also, because one thing that's super important to him is not just finding talented players, but talented players who fit well into the culture that has been developed in that dressing room. And that is a huge thing. He is not bringing in anybody who he thinks is going to disrupt what has been built. Um, And that's like stems back to the importance of bringing in a guy like Patrick Hornquist, right? Who had zero tolerance for losing, Hmm. zero tolerance for complacency. (laughs) And when people ask me, and I say this all the time, when I look back on my time covering the Panthers and somebody asks me, who do you think is the single most important signing that the team ever made, the single most important trade that the team ever made, the single most important move that the team ever made, I am telling you, it is going to be very hard for me to not say Patrick Hornquist because I think he completely changed so much the culture of this, this dressing room. And when I saw that Hornquist was going to stick around and serve uh, as basically, you know, like a special assistant, uh, still be in the front, like a front office role for the Florida Panthers. I was like, this is a brilliant move because this guy is the best. Um, So I, I think that's a big part of it too, is, is Bill Zito is just so, conscientious Mm. about making sure that whoever he goes and gets fits in with what has been 
built and what is continuing to be built in this organization. Hornquist becoming the quasi Udonis Haslam, right? Like Udonis Haslam retiring and ending up as a sort of special assistant or yeah. around the organization. Um, it's it's the same type of, you know, building a culture. Um, right. And, we, you know, we saw that with the Marlins with Skip Schumacher this year, too, as their manager um, coming in with a number of different players who also brought that, like Luis Arias and others. Yuli Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel, right. Huge. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Right. Even yeah. players no matter like what. No matter their on-field play, you know, and, and yet those guys, you know, obviously Arias was spectacular and Gurriel had his right. moments, but the, the leadership there from players like it Gurriel, matters. Yep, it, absolutely. It matters. Um, so let let's let's transition for a second here. Um we noted that you came from the Marlins season right into the Panther season. Um and I'm only a, a reporter for one team, and I know that TV prep is a whole different animal from what I'm doing right here, <laughs> talking to you on a podcast. Um, I'm fascinated to to know the difference for you in either prep or persona, or if there is any sort of difference between doing Marlins games and doing Panthers games, or if each sort of goes hand in hand and prepares you for the other. I think the biggest difference is not so much like Marlins versus Panthers. I really honestly think the biggest difference is what my role is for that game, whether right. I'm a reporter or whether I'm a host, because from a host perspective, I'm really just truly serving as the conduit from one topic to the next, but I'm really truly just setting up, you know, Nelly on the pitching matchup or Jovo on which defenseman he thinks is going to make the biggest impact in the game that night. Or like, I still have to do my research and I still have to do my prep and I, I still take, you know, prolific notes. I was during literally going to follow up about your notes um, because your notes are legendary. <laughs> and I'm so old school because I handwrite everything. Like I literally, I mean, this, have you ever seen Eric Reed's notes? Of, no, of the heat play I mean, by play. Like, Oh my this gosh, is probably this. for just like two weeks of baseball. And oh I don't, it's so hard for me to clean out my notes because you, you pour so much of yourself into it mm -hmm. that you're just like, okay, I know I don't need this random Mets Marlins scorecard anymore, but it's There's like, emotions it, behind it almost pains me to throw it away. Um, but yeah, so I think when, you know, when I'm sideline reporting, it really is more feature-ish type stories. Like mm -hmm. what can I learn about a player? What kind of conversation can I have with them to help people get to know them better? And yeah, I do some stats driven stories or some X's and O's stories, but I also understand that I've got Goldie and Randy in the booth, or I've got Paul and Tommy in the booth, and they're going to be diving so much into the game itself and the X's and O's, and they're going to infinitely know more about the game than I am. So yes, like I like finding some cool stats sometimes, or like if hitter, you know, plays well at a certain ballpark, but then go talk to him about right. why, find out the why, find out the what, the how, what I can tell people that helps them get to know the player more as a person um, versus when I'm hosting, it really is more giving enough background of the topic that we're focusing on to help set up my analyst, but for him to break down the topic. Um, and what's crazy is you would think hosting would be tougher and a little bit more work, but it's actually, I think, opposite. 
I think sideline because you're doing research on like the entire roster of both teams and, and making sure that you're finding cool content. And, and once you, like I've covered baseball for nine years now, I've talked about Bryce Harper a lot up to this point. And then you got to try and find like a new cool angle to tell a story. And you're like, okay, what have I not (laughs) told people about this guy yet? You know, it's just, I love that though. It's like, so it's, it's, it's different. Um, sometimes certain aspects are more difficult than others. Um, but really like, that's the biggest thing is when I'm a reporter, I feel more like I'm telling you about this guy and and why you should be a fan and what makes him special versus when I'm hosting, I'm really just trying to give you context on the things that we are looking at for that night's matchup. I think that's such a tremendous way of describing it because that context is what tells the story of the game. So you have two people in the booth who are telling you about the action, but what we love about sports is the humanity behind it. And so to be able to kind of, you know, pick that up and be able to... But I will forever handwrite my stories. I cross them off when I I do them in games so I know not to repeat myself the next time around. But yeah, I like... It's funny because because you do that, that was how I went into my first heat games was I was writing it all down on a uh, legal pad. And then I realized I just don't have the patience for how slow I write and realized my handwriting is such trash that there were a couple of moments that I'm like, I don't know what I wrote. What here. did I write? <laughs> what Who in am- the world? But, yeah. but also some of it is we're, we're all just different yep. when it comes our styles and the way with that we learn yep. like i when i write things out like they are in my head and in my head for years like i use this example all the time i can still tell you the story i did nine years ago my first year covering the team about jared cozart and how he thought his fastball was his bread and butter but he wanted to work on his breaking ball so he picked henderson alvarez's mind because he really liked his change up and what like that is in there like for life. But that's you know the what stuff I mean? also that would that does make you also a tremendous addition as a host where you can be an analyst. Because with those stories, that adds perspective even in those moments as a host. Because I know I've watched you enough to know that those things do pop back up for you when you There's- hear a story. We do not ever want to take a peek at like the inner workings <laughs> of my head because I have no idea the like just so many things are in there. Like if I focused as much energy into my personal life as I did into my work life, like I've thought about actually, that. No, I would still be sitting on yep. the couch on a Friday <laughs> with my chihuahuas. Let's just yep. be honest. Yep, that's absolutely. fine. And yep. I, and I can deal with that. I, I can accept that. Um, I think that's a great yeah, thing. It's just, I think it's just the way that I've always learned and and had success with learning is by writing things out knowing that when i write them out they're in my head it's why i use a paper planner too Mm. and also because the last time i tried to put something in my phone i accidentally sent out an invite to like 50 people for a private meeting and then had to text everybody and then on top of that i accidentally canceled the panthers preseason production meeting which i really don't even know how like (laughs) 
this okay again me and technology that's what i was just about to say that's why all of the people within that call who are listening to this episode probably think you messed up the wi-fi still to this day i have no idea what i did (laughs) but yeah that mystery is is just floating somewhere in south florida and it will probably never be solved i think that is hilarious and wonderful and i'm glad i'm glad you were able to give people sort of a peek inside the workings of jessica blaylock's yes, mind yeah. and preparation the we go um, paper at, banner. that's my biggest that's my biggest tip what what was it i apologize i we go paper planner out. yeah paper planner. The phone paper planner write it planner. out yeah i yeah i <laughs> have had the trials and tribulations of trying to get this brain organized. Um, <laughs> but all right, let, let's let's go to the last topic here um, and kind of one that popped up out of nowhere seemingly. Um, I'm going to give people the, the news elements here and then we'll talk about certain parts of, of this news, which is that Kim Ang and the Miami Marlins parted ways. Kim Ang was the general yeah. manager for the last three years. And this came as a bit of a surprise to both, I think, the local and the national media. Um, certainly to Marlins fans. Um, this was a situation where Kim's contract was up at the end of the season. There was a mutual option. Um, the reporting on this is that the Marlins did offer to pick up their side of the option and that Kim declined. Um, there also was reporting that insinuates that there were some extension talks, um, but they never really went anywhere. There's also reporting today that Kim Ang declined to have an interview with the Boston Red Sox. Um, I don't really want to get into the why of how this sort of breakup went down. Um, for me, I think it's it's more important that we talk about both what Kim did in her time as a general manager, as the first female general manager in the history of Major League Baseball, and then also discuss the excitement for whoever takes this role on, whether it's a general manager, president yeah. of baseball operations, both with where this roster stands at the end of Kim's tenure. So if we want to start um, with sort of flowers for Kim um, and maybe even a little bit of what it was like to work with her, um, then we can transition into sort of the baseball side and what that can mean as the next general manager or president of baseball operations steps in. Yeah, well, I think first off, I mean, the biggest thing is just Kim proving that a woman could do that job and right. and not just proving that a woman could do that job, but that she could do it successfully mm-hmm. uh, with the Marlins getting to the playoffs this season and not necessarily having the highest payroll and not necessarily having, you know, the household names uh, from up and down the lineup, um, but just putting together a, a a really good squad that competed and very similar to the Panthers played for each other. The example mm. I used about the Marlins team was it's one thing to have a team of individuals. It's another thing to have a team of individuals who put team above themselves. Absolutely. Um, and I think that is what this, this team did. And, and one of the coolest things to me and, and one of my favorite memories was actually when the Marlins clinched a playoff spot that Saturday night in Pittsburgh, watching all of the players and how they reacted to Kim. And making her such a huge part of the celebration. Um, and it just, it I mean, it just proved all over again that she belonged there. Right. And and how important it was that she was able to, to get that role and to do that job. And I'm sure a lot of eyes on her and a lot of, oh, well, let's see how this goes. And, and a lot of pressure of being the first woman. And mm-hmm. things were going to kind of go how, like, she she went in a way like, Oh, a woman can do this or, Oh, see, this is why you don't hire a woman. Like 
you know, and, and to carry that pressure, I can't even imagine what that must've been like, but I think that's the biggest takeaway is, is just knowing that she proved, yeah, women can hang in, in positions like that in, Absolutely. in a major sport. Um, I love getting to know Kim and I think especially this past season, um, you really saw a lot of her personality come out and she really is super cool. I mean, super oh, yeah. cool. Super cool. Um, just, I mean, really yeah. awesome. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, the Marlins have to do what's best for them and right. Kim has to do what's best for her. And, and that's really the way that I look at it without, yep. again, without getting into the weeds, like each side has to do respectively what is best for them. Right. Um, and, and by so the way, I, oh, no, so I apologize, but I was going to add context here. Part of the reporting was that Kim Ang and um, principal owner Bruce Sherman had sort of a separate vision for where the front office should go. Um, DJ, Phillip, DJ Spillick, the yes. director of amateur scouting, was let go earlier today um, right. by the Miami Marlins. So potentially an example of where those sort of paths were diverging. Right. And, and also just you know, if you think about it again, right, you want to make sure that all the visions are aligned yep. and that's really important. So that just comes back down again to organization has to do what's best for them. Kim has to do what's best for her. And I think it also shows too how far Kim has come yep. of not just being, okay, first woman as, uh, you know, a baseball GM, but the fact that she's got the flexibility to mm -hmm turn down an opportunity, I think kind of speaks volumes of what, you know, she's earned and kind of the, the, how she has taken steps forward, uh, yeah. in, in her own personal development to kind of have that, that option to be like, you know what, this isn't the right fit for me either. And it would be easy to just jump in and take it because it's the next thing. But again, I'm going to wait and it's going to be the right opportunity. And I'm going to step into that um, when I feel it's it's a good fit. So, um, yeah. And I, I the cool thing is, like, I had a great relationship with Kim. I wish her nothing but the best. And right. I will absolutely forever be pulling for her and be pulling for her success. And not just because she's a woman, even though I do want to see her succeed as a woman, but just because I really enjoyed getting to know her. Um, and I think that she she really did make some some very key moves that set oh, yeah. this team up for success. Um, and and so so yeah, it's I mean it's a bummer, you know. You right. don't want to see people that you like move on. Yeah. Um, but but either way, uh, at the end of the day, it just all comes back to everybody collectively being in a good situation it's almost like seeing like family strife where you're just like oh no i don't want anyone to be upset yeah. you know um but but this is why as... i would be a terrible gm oh god I, as soon as i like somebody i'd be like lifetime contract there's for a you. <laughs> have you seen the there's a movie uh little big league from the 90s where oh, yeah. okay so uh billy haywood who's a kid is, is the manager the owner the gm he's everything and there's a guy who was his favorite player growing up but he's way past his prime and one of the focal points of the movie one of the emotional things that kind of tugs on your heartstrings is that he has to let go of that player near right. the deadline and it breaks his heart because he's I mean, like, we just talked I about how closely attached i am to all of my notes <laughs> I mean, give me a break. How do you think right. I'm going to survive as a GM? And oh, 
Goodness. Mario. Somebody's not getting the attention that they want. Well, let's get let's ask one more question and then get you out of here so that Mario can have uh, all the pets that he needs. As a he can have player. all of the snuggles. Yeah. Um, this last question really stems from what you said, which is, you know, Kim set the Marlins up for success. They are now in a position where there are a few sort of cornerstones for them, including Luis Arias, Jake Berger, Jazz Chisholm Jr. Um, for that matter, Brian De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez as pieces of this of this team going into the future. Um, some question marks as well, and that Josh Bell uh, may opt out of his contract. Right. We have not heard yet. Jorge Soler, same situation. Two guys who not only had good seasons, but man, Josh Bell teared the cover off the ball in those final couple months yeah. with the Marlins. And um, just like the greatest dude oh ever. Oh my God. Him and Berger both. both. Yeah. Oh. Well, and that's I mean, part of it, right? We talk about franchises yeah. aligning um, not only their vision, but their culture. And those are two guys who fit so well with Skip Schumacher as a manager, right. um, as guys who can help lead. Um, Jazz Chisholm Jr. said to me that he, when Jake got traded there, he assumed Jake was a vet, not a rookie, because technically he's a rookie. And that yes. Jake, Jake Berger, he was like, you're a rookie? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what are you talking right? about? Because of the way <laughs> that he carried himself and the leadership that was there. So... You know, this team is set up well for the future. Obviously, Sandy Alcantara out for next season. But as the Marlins go through the search for either a president of baseball operations, a general manager, or both, now a director of amateur scouting, really building this front office back up, how excited should those potential candidates be to step in here with this Marlins team and build toward the future? Yeah, I think very excited because not only the names that you mentioned, I'll throw another guy out there that Kim acquired. Jesus Lazardo. Oh my gosh, Jesus. Which How I could not say that. that. Yeah. And what a trade. Like, wait, you traded Starling Marte well. for this? I mean, like, there was, there was, I still think is probably a lot of opinions about that deal, but look at how Great good deal. Lazardo was. And now, how much more important he becomes heading into next He'll season with no Sandy. Mm. And how, how important, you know, even. Even Braxton Garrett's development this year and how much more important he becomes. And so, you know, uh, there's a lot, I think, for somebody stepping in to be excited about. There's there's work to do as well. You know, there, there's no denying that there are going to be obstacles that they're going to have to overcome, um, whether it's dealing with injuries, whether it is having to fill or upgrade certain positions. Mm -hmm. um, no doubt about it. There are going to be challenges that come with with taking over that role. But there is also a lot to be excited about. And I think if for me personally, if I was coming in, one of the things that I would be most excited about is having a manager like Skip Schumacher yep. because he was amazing, built such a healthy culture, built such a healthy clubhouse. Guys love playing for him. Um, and the team took on the identity of what he had as a player, hmm. uh, which was just a hardworking, you know, gritty pour your entire soul into what you're doing be passionate about it do it with a great attitude um you know the team took on that persona big time um so are there going to be some some tough areas and some tough challenges that you're going to have to address for sure mm -hmm. but are there going to be a lot of things that you should be excited about stepping into that role as well Absolutely. Big time. There's a core there that you can build toward the future with that I don't think that we can say the Marlins have had for, for quite a while. I mean, there was a right. group, group with Stanton and Yelich and company, but even then, that core 
uh, eventually proved like th maybe this isn't the core to build around. And so now, right. you know, you look at this group, you look at where some of these contracts are. A lot of these guys are not that expensive at the moment. And so there's right. an opportunity to build around that through the right signings, the right trades in a similar way to where the Marlins did that last season under Kim Ang. Right. So I, I know it's certainly exciting. I can't believe I forgot to mention Jesus Lazardo. He's going to be so mad at me. Um, specifically <laughs> because he's a gold glove finalist and I didn't mention that. And I'm so, I'm mad for myself. I know that he took pitching fielding practice in high school with coach Todd Fitzgerald at Stoneman Douglas. And I know for a fact that those were some of the, let's say most tenuous days on the baseball yeah. field for the pitchers. Uh, and it's all paid off for him. So I'm, I'm very excited for him and his family that, uh, he's in that position, but Jessica Blaylock. You took way more time than I told you we were going to because this was always a wonderful conversation. I appreciate it. I know. Uh, I love catching up. We always have so yeah, much fun. We do. This is wonderful. Uh, maybe maybe we make it a, a more consistent thing. Yes. Um, but you can follow at Jess Blaylock on Twitter, Jess L. Blaylock on Instagram. You can watch her on the Panthers Live pregame show. You can see pictures of her puppy, Mario. Uh, all over, everywhere, I imagine, headed into the future here. Uh, Jessica, enjoy all of the snuggles. Thank you. And this is your reminder to adopt, don't shop, because yeah. you, get to, you get to provide these sweet baby. Look oh, at that. Song. <laughs> it's not the best. You get to provide sweet babies like this with wonderful, wonderful homes. That's gonna be, that that little shot right there of Mario up close to the camera is going to be the photo that goes out to promote this episode. <laughs> yes. Jess, thanks so much. Lemon's just like staring at me over in the corner. She's like, wow, really? I don't get any snuggles on camera? Okay, so this is happening. Starved for attention. <laughs>